0: You are listening to The Next Best Picture Podcast, and this is our review of Void Erased.
2: Jared, I want you to do well. I want you to have a great life. I love you, but we cannot see a way that you can live under this roof if you're going to fundamentally go against the grain of our beliefs. Jared, tell me the truth, that's all.
0: I think about men. I don't know why. And I'm so sorry.
2: Your parents signed you up for a program to fix
0: you, but Jared, you are a perfectly normal, very healthy teenage boy.
1: They're gonna do things for you.
0: Your revelation. You wanna say your goodbyes?
2: You Welcome to the refuge program. You cannot be born a homosexual. This is a lie. It's a choice.
0: Go! Fake it till you make it. Become the man you are not. Save yourself!
2: Jared, God will not love you the way that you are. Is this what you want? Who's gonna strike this demon down? Hit him!
0: I'm having a tough time. I'm gonna give you some advice. Tell them whatever they want to hear. Play the part. Unless you really think you can change or even want to. What you're going through right now is just a moment. A moment. Yeah. A
3: moment. I love God, and I love my son. For your father, it's a little more complicated.
0: We are not finished. I am, because you won't listen.
2: Your father is sitting here. Tell him how you hate him.
0: I'm not going to pretend I hate my father. I don't hate my father. Then where is all this anger coming? Because you're making me angry.
1: Open the door now. They say sometimes you gotta hurt a child in order to help them, but a mother knows when something isn't right.
2: I don't wanna pretend anymore. I've had to ask myself and God if I'm ready to lose you.
0: All right, everybody, you were just listening to a trailer for Boy Erased, and the story is as follows. Jared is the son of a small town Baptist pastor who gets outed to his parents at age 19. He's soon faced with an ultimatum, attend a gay conversion therapy program, or be permanently exiled and shunned by his family, friends, and faith. The film is starring Lucas Hedges, Nicole Kidman, Joel Egerton, Joe Alwyn, Xavier Dolan, Troy Sivan, Cherry Jones, Flea, and Russell Crowe. It is written and directed by Joel Egerton. Joining me for this review, I have Nicole Ackman.
1: Hi, everyone.
0: Tom O'Brien. Hey, folks. And from We Live Entertainment, Ashley Menzel. Hey, everyone. Hello, Ashley. Thank you so much for joining us on this uh, podcast review.
3: Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Uh, We are committed this Oscar season to having guests come on to uh, review some of the uh, films that are being talked about this award season. And Boyer Erased is uh, Joel Egerton. Uh, Only his second film, his previous film, was The Gift, released a few years ago, which was a psychological thriller. Uh, This is definitely taking a much more different tone this time around, and he is uh, exploring a topic that is... Very, very, very uh, dear to him, something that he feels very passionately about that he's talked a lot about in Q&As. And they are all, the entire cast, crew, everyone, is trying to bring about a very positive um, message with this movie, Boy Erased. So I don't want that to reveal necessarily uh, from a... You should go see it standpoint, like what, what what our thoughts are on it. But I'm going to say right off the top of the show that I do think that what the topic is all about and the fact that we don't get so many movies talking about uh, this topic of gay conversion therapy, even though Miseducation of Cameron Post came out earlier this year, also fantastic and should be checked out. Um, regardless of any thoughts that are said on this podcast, I personally would wholly endorse that people see this movie for at the very least – To open up their eyes to what is happening around the country with some of these uh, conversion therapy, quote unquote, schools or institutions or whatever they're referred to as. It's a very, very important topic. Enough rambling from me, though. Let's hear it from everybody else here. Ashley, you are the guest for this review. What did you ultimately think of Boy Erased?
3: So I was lucky enough. I may have seen actually the premiere of it at Tell Your Ride. I'm not sure, you know how film festivals become a blur, but um it was yeah. one of the first films I saw there. Um and it was just something that totally blew me away, not only just from a performance perspective from Lucas Hedges, but also from the perspective of, you know, just the topic as you said, something that I couldn't believe is still happening and that is still legal in 41 States out of 50 States in the U S. Um, right. and it's just something that stuck with me from, you know, the end of August until now, it's still as vivid in my mind as it was when I saw it. And I think mm-hmm. that's attributed to the great performances and the great direction and the really great, um, you know, the really on point storytelling, uh, from, you know, Garrett Conley, who was the mem, the mem, the memoir on which the film is based.
0: And, and, you know, and like I said before, to your point, this is a uh, still occurring issue that is something that regardless of what anybody thinks in a movie, um, nobody can deny that this is a topic that's obviously not discussed enough. You know, like you said before, it's still pretty widespread throughout the country, and it's almost baffling, although I guess maybe in 2018, maybe we shouldn't be so baffled by the strict (laughs) natures of our country anymore, but... Regardless of which, uh, it is baffling that this is still something that is in practice, and this film is attempting to bring that to light for so many people. So at the very least, uh, they deserve to be commended for uh, bringing about this issue to a widespread audience. So, Tom, I'm really, really curious to hear your thoughts on this one. What did you ultimately think of Boy Erased?
2: Well, Boy Erased for me uh, got the benefit of low expectations. Uh, only in the sense that I thought the trailer was so didactic that I felt like I had seen the movie already, uh, with uh, mm. uh, Russell Crowe preaching and thumping the Bible from the pulpit, and you know Nicole Kidman sitting there dressed up like Pat Nixon without the alcohol, and they, <laughs> they, uh, uh, it just they it just seemed very cliche and the. The, that I would have expected it to go a certain way. And what surprised me when I saw the film was how nuanced the characterizations are. Uh, it's it's certainly when you have uh, Oscar winners like Nicole Kidman and Russell Crowe in those roles, uh, they can bring a lot of talent power to it. But I think it's also in the writing by uh, Joel Igerton uh, that every, it's there's nothing black and white about it. Uh, the pain that... Lucas Hedges feels, um, that, uh, he had uh, obviously had feelings for men, but the manner in which he is outed certainly would have thrown off how he would have wanted to uh, tell his parents that he was gay. And the way that Egerton handled that both in his direction and his screenplay, uh, surprised me at how, um, delicate and, uh, again, the new word nuanced, it really was.
0: All right. Nicole, it's your review up on the website. Yeah. What did you think of Boy Erased?
1: So I read the actual memoir um, back for a Next Best Adaptation episode. And at that point, I said that, you know, I was optimistic about the film, but nervous because it's one of the best books I've read in years. And I find that adapting memoirs can be so tricky because they're, and this one in particular, is so internal. So I actually saw it at the North Carolina Film Festival, and I was blown away. It's not a perfect film. The score in particular really irks me. Oh, yeah. But I actually saw it again yesterday. I took two of my best friends because I said, you know, you're not going to enjoy this per se, but this is a film that needs seen. Right. Um, And, you know, especially all three, my both my friends Dan and I being from the South, I think there's so much that rings true in this film. And I think obviously it has brilliant performances, but there's so much nuance in everything. Like one thing that really blew me away yesterday seeing it was um Nicole Kidman's costuming in it. I was like, oh my God, these are the moms I've seen picking up kids at my schools all my <laughs> life. Like it's just so perfect. And I do think that it is definitely gonna be one of my top five films of the year.
0: Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. The one thing that right from the very get-go with this movie that I went in with mild expectations because I felt like, Ashley, maybe, I don't know, maybe you had a different perception, but it seemed like out of Telluride, it wasn't widely acclaimed. It got like respectable notices, right?
3: Right. And it was, it's interesting because, you know, if you go to a film festival versus, you know, somebody who's seeing it fresh after seeing the trailer and then seeing it in the theater, When we go to Telluride, especially, you don't know which films are going to play there. And then you don't know a whole lot about the films besides who's in it, who created it usually. Um, So it was a very quiet hit, I think, for some people at Telluride. And then it started to slowly, um, you know, climb up there to be one of those films that people feel, you know, whether they like it or not, they do feel that it's very important that people see it.
0: Absolutely. So heading into this, I had, you know, tempered expectations. I went in with a clean slate. But the one thing that I could not escape while watching this movie, from the time that it began to the time that it ended, it's a similar issue that, you know, we make these comparisons to The Illusionist and The Prestige, Deep Impact, Armageddon. Which one did you see first in 2018? And for this year, it's Miseducation of Cameron Post and Boy Erased. And I loved The Miseducation of Cameron Post. I saw that back at Sundance, really, really enjoyed it. And it almost felt like, for me, Boy Erased was eh, just going over the same ground, and it didn't feel like it was doing anything radically different than what Miseducation of Cameron Post was doing, and as a result of which, I was kind of put into this weird position where, because it didn't do enough to set itself apart, other than the fact that it's based on a true story about uh, a young man's life... I couldn't. I I just couldn't find a way to make this uh, viewing experience distinct enough to say that this was better necessarily. That doesn't mean that it's bad. It was just an unfortunate circumstance uh, for me. Did anybody else see Miseducation of Cameron Post prior to seeing Boy Erased? I did. Yeah. Did you ever feel that way while watching it at all?
2: I went in when I went in uh, thinking that this is not quite up to. Cameron Post because I really like I share your like of that film very much. Uh, but as it went on, I began seeing that it's topics where the, the setting was the same and the motivations of the lead characters. They're both looking for family, but they take different routes there. In Cameron Post, she has pretty much given up on her biological family and is seeking to build her own family within the other gay teens. Who are you know, her colleagues there, and with Boy Erased, Jared is trying to reconnect with his biological family, and that uh, that they both have the same quest, but they're taking different routes. So I, I, I don't I wasn't as disappointed once I realized that that was what was going on.
0: Well, and, that's, and that's, um, that's great insight there, actually, for helping me to piece together my own thoughts here on this uh, review as well. Because I think that that ties into the opening moments of the movie very well, where we open up with homemade video footage from Jared's life and this idea of family and tracing um, this boy's journey. From the time that he is a young a, a young child, even though we don't uh, really get any dramatic scenes played out like that, we just get this home video footage in the beginning. It it definitely put me in the mindset of th- this is this is somebody's life. This is literally someone's existence. Th- this is important to not only him but the people involved in his life, the family. Like you said, Nicole Kidman and uh, Russell Crowe in this movie both spectacular by the way and Nicole Kimmins always spectacular there's (laughs) there's no getting around that but man oh man is it refreshing to see Russell Crowe do well in a dramatic role again I liked him in The Nice Guys recently and that was a more comedic performance tough guy you know but here man I just was like oh Russell I haven't seen you like this since the early 2000s where have you been man (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I, I, was, I was just like, oh, so refreshing uh, to see that. And yes, I, I think everyone in this ensemble, uh, especially um, also Lucas Hedges, like we said before, Joel Egerton, everybody in this ensemble really, really shines. But what's, what's really confusing to me, and maybe we're a little mixed on this overall, um, I actually did find Joel Egerton's direction of this movie to be very, very heavy-handed, and it, at times it actually took me out of the movie with how dark and serious this movie was, and it it, it almost like and you know who who mentioned the score was that you Nicole? Yeah, that I mentioned was the score. Me. <laughs> like the score to me was just so overdramatic to the point where I I just felt like this movie was almost like a gloom and doom type movie, and it didn't have the nuance or um, the more enlightening little details, that slice of life, so to speak, that I felt like I got in camera posts. Instead, I felt like I was getting a highly over-dramatized, look how terrible this situation is, look look at how terrible it must be to be gay sort of movie. And I was like, "Mm, I'm not really sure I'm liking the tone of this overall, even though the intent and the message in the end is positive.
1: I feel quite differently on that. I guess just... And I I do agree that I think that sometimes the direction gets in the way of the performances, if that makes sense, and the story itself. And like I said, that score is just... I think that's part of what lends it to almost feeling like a melodrama at times.
0: Yeah, I think it was the choir. As soon as I heard choir choir in the score, (laughs) and I'm like, choir, church, religion, come on, man, you could do better than that.
1: (laughs) It confuses me that it has my favorite song I've heard in a movie thus far this year, but my least favorite score. Oh, yeah. But I think, I guess for me, I was surprised on my second viewing of it how much humor there actually is in it, because... I think – I guess I appreciate the dark tone in some ways because I would rather it veer towards overdramatic than veer towards the trivialization – trivialization, there we go – of the issue, if that makes sense.
0: Well, I don't want it to be trivialized necessarily. I just want there to be a more authentic – Uh, balance I felt like at times it it almost yeah I
1: had
0: to I had a similar problem with Beautiful Boy (laughs) where I felt like that movie was just going way too hard with its message and how much it was trying to sell this as look at me I am a serious drama I've got scenes with yelling and crying and look how terrible this is you know what I mean
1: yeah and I think Having seen Beautiful Boy and then seen Boy Erased for the second time after made me appreciate Boy Erased so much more. Yeah. Because especially like you mentioned that opening sequence with like the home video, I was like, this is what Beautiful Boy needed. You needed to make me care about him before you plunged into his issues.
0: Mm. Well, Beautiful Boy's editing is a whole other issue. (laughs) I
1: I think there's so many things that if you compare the two, like I think both of them are told very much in a weird chronological order, and I think it works. Or at least it worked for me in Boy Race, whereas it didn't.
0: Yeah, no, it definitely worked more here, I felt like, as well.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: What about about you, Tom, Ashley? What do do you both uh, think in terms of uh, just the overall tone of the movie?
3: Um, I actually tend to agree. um, You know, I think that the film does a great job of balancing out the dark with the light. I think the humor in it, you know takes the chance to give some levity to a story that is really heavy. And I think that balance works well in boy erased and i tend to agree with you that i i really did not like um the way that it was done in beautiful boy and it's interesting because i don't know if any of you have seen ben is back yet but it's kind not yet. of like how oh. okay so like how you guys are comparing i've never seen the cameron post movie yet that's on my list of things i have to catch up on but the way that you're comparing boy erased and miseducation of cameron post is similarly how i think you're going to compare beautiful boy and Ben is back because they both handle a similar topic um, and the way that they do it is very different. Um, But anyway, yeah. So Lucas Hedges is amazing in that film as well. But I tend to think that this one, they play around with the tone of the film enough that it makes it feel not like what you were saying, you don't want it trivialized, but you don't want it something that it's so depressing, that it's so hard to get through and that's so painful um, for audiences. So I think that it strikes a good balance.
0: well, this the scene for me that I think did it, and I think it's the scene that I take issue with the most and it happens early on in the film is the scene with Joe Alwyn mm-hmm. mm. that that I just I asked myself after the screening, And after, you know, I'd seen the movie in whole, I just thought to myself, that scene just stood out to me as the scene where I I asked myself, did Joel Egerton go maybe a little too far compared to the rest of the movie? And could there have been a more tasteful way that that could have been done, but also convey the same effect? You know what I mean? This
1: is something that I thought about a lot because I'm very much someone who believes that you shouldn't put that into a film unless it really is necessary and in, you know unless it's actually serving a purpose if that makes sense but having read the actual memoir what we're referring to for anyone who hasn't seen it plays such a big role in the main character's relationship with his sexuality and I think comes back later into why he struggles to, you know, he he feels that he's being asked to apologize for things that he didn't do um, or he didn't have a choice in. And I think that, to me, made it make sense. And I feel like if it wasn't shocking and, you know, kind of horrifying, it would be harder to understand exactly how bad of a mental place he's in whenever he's sent to this um, conversion camp.
2: For me, the that the scene in question, and I hate for to be so vague about it, but I think it uh, will color your thoughts about the movie if you know a scene like this is coming up, um, made me feel, I, I just wanted to say, stop it, get me out of here. And I don't know, I didn't know whether it was Egerton or whether it was me. But I just felt so uncomfortable during that scene. And uh, for me, at least part of that was uh, lightened up a little bit by the scene when the parents receive the call that outs uh, Jared. And he admits to them, certainly not on his own timetable, that he does indeed have feelings for men. And I'm sure it was not on his the way he wanted to come out to his parents. Uh, I know when I came out to my parents, it was uh, something I had planned in my head. Uh, And, you know, it's very important to have control of that moment. And he didn't have control in that moment. And uh, he so wanted to keep his parents' love that he agrees to Uh, go into this gay therapy program. But if the incident we're talking about is so traumatizing, I think we needed to, I think a a subtle cutaway would not have done it. So I'm kind of glad it's there. I think he may have gone a little too far, but uh, I think better too far than too light. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay, that's fair. Um, I I do want to touch upon the relationship with uh, the parents and how... There is such love there coming from uh, Jared in this movie for uh, both his mother and his father who has the more complex relationship with him throughout uh, this whole journey that he's on. And what I found very refreshing about this movie in particular is how the gay conversion uh, therapy that Joe Egerton is trying to employ on Jared is he's trying to get Jared to resent his father, and be angry with him for how he feels his father has treated him. And I I really, really loved the message of this movie that it took with Jared saying, that's not how I feel. I will not stand here and say that I hate my parents for how they have reacted to this. I love my parents. And that, to me, was so strong, where there's a lot of people in this world that would probably say, well, you know what, like, if you want to lose me as a son, and you know, you're not gonna accept me for who I am, see ya. But that's not who Jared is. And that's not how the film portrays it. And I I found that to reinforce the message of, you know, and and it's a little bit of a cliche message, right? Love conquers all that sort of thing. But this to me was a refreshing take on that, that I feel like I haven't seen play out in cinema uh, that much. And that really resonated extremely strong for me, especially during um, Lucas Hedges' uh, scenes with Joe Egerton, where the two are just two actors just sparring words at each other. I mean, it was gripping.
2: It ab- absolutely was. They uh, a- Egerton is is really good in this, too. I mean, I've, we've been talking a lot about his writing and direction, but he, he makes a very, very good antagonist. Uh, and I couldn't quite penetrate why uh he was acting the way he was acting until a coda at the end of the film kind of explains it, which we will not talk about uh, <laughs> his <cast>. right yeah,
0: <laughs> well, they say the best kinds of villains are the ones who don't believe that they're wrong. they fully believe that what they that the, what they're doing is good. and I think that's what makes him uh very great in this is here's a guy who. I I, I don't even know if I would go so far as to say he's evil, but, like, what he's doing is wrong, but he doesn't believe that he's wrong, and that's what makes the writing and the uh, performance, you know, very captivating, because he himself, as a contradiction, is a fascinating character.
1: I would agree, and I think that one of the important things about the film, at least to me, is that you know, he is the villain, the man who's running this therapy, really. And they they don't villainize Jared's parents. Like, no. even his father, who's a Baptist preacher and is really the one who's pushing Jared to kind of reject this part of himself, I think it's really important that they show that he legitimately thinks he's doing what's best for his son. And he does love his son and that, you know, it's... that he is actually struggling with that. And I think that it's important to show that, that it's, you know, you can't just assume that those people are inherently evil. But you see that he actually is having a hard time. And I think Russell Crowe did that so brilliantly, he really shows the conflict there.
0: Oh, yeah. You know, it goes, it goes back to that, uh, that scene, you know, if we're talking about uh, two contrasting viewpoints, and the moral dilemma the wrestling of these uh feelings internally within these characters it, it, it kind of comes goes back to the scene between Jared and the doctor
1: mm-hmm. where
0: uh, his parents tell him to go see a doctor and <laughs> it's this argument between faith and medicine and this doctor is telling Jared straight up there's nothing wrong with you <laughs> yeah your parents you know may think there's something wrong um I'm here to tell you that there isn't, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it, it, it. I just find that very, um, I, f- I found that scene to also be very interesting in that there is such an easy answer to all of this. And because of these deep rooted beliefs, it takes time to change those. It takes time to even have a semblance of acceptance. Mm -hmm. And while Nicole Kidman's uh, character in this film might be able to overcome that uh, a little bit easier, to your point, Nicole, Russell Crowe definitely struggles with it more, but it's not antagonistic, like you were saying. And I I love that there is an effort made on his character's part to want to try and see that change through. I, I, like, I, I can't even – the film did such a good job of conveying that moral dilemma that even I, after a while, started to, like, understand the dilemma. Where from – like, maybe from me, because, you know, I'm, I'm extremely accepting personally. Like, it, it doesn't seem like a hard choice for me. But the film did such a good job of conveying why it was hard for this character.
2: What was interesting to me about Crow's character at, at that moment is that the, I could see him being torn – his parental instincts is to protect Jared, but he also has the responsibility of being the moral pillar of the community as he preaches to the pulpit. And uh, it's it, he consults with the elders of the community rather than his own parental instincts. And it, 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 or it's- Or even his wife. Or even his mom. Yeah. Wife. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, he just winds up, he winds up Being more concerned in the beginning with how he is going to be perceived with this news than actually protecting Jared. Or I think he feels like he's doing the right thing, but the fact that he needed some backup from older, more conservative religious leaders was telling about his character at that point in the film.
0: Yeah. But that's like, to go back to what I was saying, though, like, that's what makes it so fascinating. That's what makes the performances so good is that these are characters who believe in what they're doing. There's conviction to these performances and to uh, the quality of the writing. Yeah, I, like, I, I think it just all goes back to my, my only flaw with this movie is sometimes how Egerton directs it. But the performances and the writing in this is very, very stellar. I mean, it's one of my favorite ensembles of the year without a doubt. And we haven't even talked about any of the other uh boys in the camp. Yeah.
2: I have to I have to give props to Egerton for casting uh, three openly gay actors in the supporting cast, which lended a little bit more uh gravitas. And don't worry, I've checked Wikipedia. Everybody is openly gay. Uh, <laughs> clearly as the doctor Cherry Jones, when she when she says there's nothing wrong with you, you believe it because she's Cherry Jones. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Among the uh, colleagues at the his colleagues as fellow patients, uh, there's uh, uh, Troy Sivan, who is a yep. you know, YouTube uh, sensation.
0: Did the music was uh, song rapper for the
2: movie. The good music in the uh... <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, the Canadian director Xavier Dolan uh, is very good in this. Uh, as 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 a fellow, uh, uh, I don't want to say patient, but. Uh, uh, but it's it's funny because I've always thought of him as strictly being a director. And this is the second movie this month that he has a good, juicy part in. He, the first one being uh, Bad Times at the El Royale. And uh, he was uh, he's terrific in this. It's, and the fact that Egerton took the time to seek out openly gay actors really speaks to his sincerity about putting together uh, a film with the most integrity to it.
0: I want to ask about uh, before we get on to final thoughts and any other uh, details, uh, just because I feel like we didn't talk about this enough. I, there have been some comparisons made uh, about Nicole Kidman's performance in this to her performance, uh, her Oscar nominated performance in Lion. And the fact that these two uh, roles are very, very um, recent with one another and they're kind of similar, you know, supportive mother type, tearful monologue, et cetera, et cetera. I, I was just curious to know what everyone's thoughts were on that. And it, like, and, and I hate to go back to comparisons once again, but that was just another thing while watching this that I found myself like, I I can't watch this and not think of that. But uh, before I hear everyone else's thoughts on the matter, I, I actually preferred Kidman's performance in this more because of the accent and because I felt like she did get more to do. So I just want to know if anyone had any thoughts on
3: that. Yeah, I mean, I tend to agree with you on that. I think that her performance in Lion is fantastic, but I think her performance in Boy Erased is more, um, I think, authentic. I think the moments between her and Jared Lucas Hedges in this film are some of the strongest in the entire film. And I think they have the most sincerity in them that you really feel the, the love and the emotion between them on, you know, different levels, not just mother and son. And then, you know, you're looking at it as, you know, she's looking at someone she loves struggling, um, you know, just being that caregiver. I just think it's, I think it's actually superior than her performance in lion.
2: I I agree. I think that, uh, her her she's pretty much at the same place as she started when she gets to the end of Lion. But here she has an enormous character arc. and she really had to hold it back in the first half of the film in uh, Boy Erased so that she can deliver those powerhouse scenes in the second half. and that's what makes makes it really effective. so i I would vote for her performance here as well.
1: All right. Embarrassingly, I actually haven't seen Lion. Oh. But <laughs> I will say that Nicole Kidman's performance, I think, is the reason that I love this film so much. I mean, in part, there's multiple reasons. But A, because it does, as you know, you were saying, feel so authentic. Like, she legitimately seems like the Southern moms that I grew up with, who were good moms, who just has been placed in this, you know, moral dilemma where she's kind of stuck in between her husband and her son. And I do think that she has one of the most interesting arcs of the movie. And I love that when she kind of finally comes to that big tearful scene, she's not just making a statement about her son, but she also is kind of standing up for herself. Um, And I will say I saw it for the first time in North Carolina with three moms about that age next to me. And they all clapped after that scene. <laughs> and they were all crying. And I was like, I think this is an important film for parents to see who might end up stuck in her situation, you know, where they're stuck kind of in between their religion or their family and, you know, another member of their family. And I just feel like it's such a beautiful performance in that way.
0: Now, a lot a lot of um, early criticism of the movie was thrown at the fact that Egerton is – you know, straight, mm-hmm. Lucas Hedges cast in the lead role of this film, straight. And I'm just actually most curious of all, because, I mean, I, I like I've said at the top of the show, I think the message is clear and I think that the intent is uh, well-meaning and I think that they succeed in getting that message across to everyone. Um, are we all in agreement that we feel that t- despite that they don't have that same uh, perspective, that they set out – that they achieved what they set out to do with this film? I
1: yeah. will say there was an interview with Lucas Hedges – I'm trying to remember what it was with. Maybe with Vulture, I want to say, um, in which he said that he does not identify as straight.
3: Oh. Yeah, he I said, read that
1: article too. He essentially, I think, basically came out as you know not straight, but he said he doesn't really have a label for what he is. Oh, yeah. Um And he said that he had never really wanted to talk about it before, but he felt that with this film coming out, it was relevant and that he, you know, felt that it was important that people know that it was coming from, I guess, I don't want to say like an authentic place for him, but yeah. But I I mean, it still is leveled against Joel Edgerton. And I feel that particularly because it is based and it actually stays fairly close to Gerard Conley's memoir... That they did a really good job with it, if that makes sense.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I've I've had it with this trope that only gay directors can make a gay film. <laughs> Enough already. And, and
0: this is and this is the gay guy on the podcast who's saying this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so,
2: I just want a good director making a good gay film. So that, and I I think he does. I, I think it's better written than it is directed. But uh, I think it's a. The heart is totally in the right place, and uh, he pretty much brings off everything. Wants to get done with this film. Mm. Okay, Ashley.
3: Yeah, I mean, I tend to agree with that. I think that his, you know, um, Edgerton's dedication to making sure that you know there were openly gay actors in the film and you know he even does an interview uh, where he says he had allies behind the lens to you know working on the set and I think that dedication and openness to representing the story in the best way possible allowed him to succeed as well as he did with making the film
0: okay Uh, at this point I want to get to any final thoughts that anybody has on the film and then we can talk about it's Oscar potential and great out of 10 Nicole Nicole uh, why don't we start off with you first? Do you have any uh, final thoughts on the film? Um, what Oscar nominations do you think it might receive and what would be your grade out of 10?
1: Yeah, I guess first of all, I just again want to say I think the overall cast is just stunning. Um, I think it's a really nice performance from Joe Alwyn. Really impressed with Troy Sivan who's never really done any serious acting. I think he had a couple of kid roles earlier on, but um, really impressive and... Speaking of him, I feel like one of the big Oscar potentials for it is Best Song with Revelation, which is, A, a lovely song, but also, B, used beautifully within the film.
0: Oh, yeah. I loved the final moments of this film where the song played. Oh. I loved it. Absolutely it's loved it. one of the
1: it. best, like, double uses of a song in a film that I can think of off the top of my head. So that's my, like, big Oscar hope this year. But also, I could definitely see Nicole Kidman getting in for Best Supporting Actress. And I, you know, I wouldn't even be surprised. I would love to see Russell Crowe get nominated as well. But, and then great out of 10, I think in my review, I gave it a seven out of 10. I might even honestly bump that up to an eight out of 10 now, having seen it twice and having seen some other movies like Beautiful Boy that have made me kind of reconsider my initial thoughts on this film, like in a positive way. So yeah. Yeah seven to eight
0: <laughs> <laughs> well which is it seven or eight
1: <laughs> we'll go with eight even though that goes against my review but that's fine
0: <laughs> no that's totally fine I mean <laughs> there have been times where I've uh, written something gotten to the podcast a few days later and I've been like yo actually wait a minute nah this is yeah you know sometimes it takes uh, either multiple viewings or yeah. time for yeah. a film to work its way over you I mean dear god I'm still thinking about Suspiria <laughs> <laughs> In any event, um, let's move it over now to Ashley. Ashley, final thoughts on Boy Erased.
3: Um, I think that the writing in the film really stands out in a lot of ways that I think it doesn't feel over embellished or brushed over with like this, you know, the Hollywood sugar coating. I think that it stays pretty unfiltered in a lot of ways uh, with the performances as well. Um, On that note, I think that we probably could see Nicole Kidman as a supporting actress nomination. And I really, I think we might see Lucas Hedges as a lead actor, either for this or Ben is back. So I think he's going to be on there um, one way or another. Uh, My initial review was a 9.5. And, you know, after you, you know, when you see something in a film festival and it completely wows you and then you get a chance to think about it. um, I think I'm going to knock it down to a 9. Um, for the final grade.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, and Tom? I, uh,
2: before we leave, I just would like to uh, talk about something that really appealed to me about the... I'm a process nut. I do like movies in which you could see how things work that you didn't know before. And I never knew what really went on in these uh, uh, conversion camps. And it was just so interesting to see the exercises that they make me do that seem to be very directed towards shame and uh, or hatred, and yeah. and and I, be, because of the uh, genuineness of the memoir, he knows, Garrett knows uh, what what goes on there, and it would, it would just added an extra layer for me. Uh, There's like, oh, that's how it works. Okay.
0: And and you know what I found most interesting about that part of it, Tom? I'm glad you brought that up because we didn't get a chance to really talk about this actually. Um, Jared actually gives it a shot in the beginning. Yep. And it's interesting how when he first starts, he thinks he wants to change. And this idea of, you know, fake it till you make it. And he has to come to grips with whether or not, if he really, really does want to change – or is he gonna just fake it, you know, until he gets out of there? And, you know, I'm not gonna—we're re- not gonna reveal what happens. But I did find it very fascinating that here was somebody who was athletic, was masculine, had like everything in his life that pointed towards him being straight, but he's not, and he himself is maybe even a little slightly confused over. Well, how am I supposed to be like I like even even he has to have a I don't want to make a pun and say come to Jesus moment. But, you know, <laughs> he he has to um, come to that decision himself and embrace who he really is. And I love that the film took some time to explore that instead of having him from the very onset. No, exactly. Oh, no, no, no. This is who I am. And that would that would that I feel like would have made for a less interesting uh, midsection of this movie.
2: I agree. Uh, in terms of uh, Oscar possibilities, I think probably the best shot is Kidman. It's, uh, it, but her inclusion in this, I think, has a lot to do with some unknowns. Uh, we haven't seen Amy Adams yet. Yeah. Uh, and no one who has seen Mary Queen of Scots is allowed to talk about it yet. Yeah. So Mark Robbie may not be. You know, we, so those are two big players that I think many people have in their top five. And then the other question is, will both Emma Stone and Rachel Weisz get in for the favorite or will one drop out or one is favored over the other?
0: And then also, too, can Claire Foy survive the first man box office? <laughs> right.
2: right. <So laughs> this is one of the most up in the air categories. But there may be room for Kidman to come in. I, 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 I think she's on the bubble right now, but very well placed. And this performance is so good uh, that uh, I think she I think she has the best shot. Adapted screenplay is 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 quite uh, competitive as well, and you have a number of yeah. picture candidates uh, uh, prominent there as well as a few uh, solo candidates in in terms of uh, movies that might not be uh, contenders otherwise like uh, the Hate You Give uh, could could show up there. So it may be a bit of a, a struggle for uh, adapted screenplay, but it's certainly worth a nomination. I'm not sure Crow is going to get in, uh, but I'm thrilled to see his performance in this. And I got the impression that he is now kind of settled into the fact that he's a character actor. Yeah. He was a character actor always, but in a leading man's body. And now he has a character actor's body, and he's really good (laughs) in this. And, uh, you know, I I think Best Picture is a bit of a long shot. Um, Hedges could get in. Again, another round the bubble. The tough thing for Hedges is he has the competing film. And also, he is, I don't want to say stuck on Broadway, because if you're doing opposite <laughs> Elaine May, you're not stuck anywhere. But he's not going to be able to get out to work the room in in Hollywood uh, as much as he might have been had he not that, made that commitment. So I, I, I'm just i question whether he can get in there. But I, I, I certainly see a lot of possibilities here uh, for Oscar recognition.
0: And you know what, too? The film could end up surprising us and being something like um I don't remember who first made this comparison but somebody compared it to Lion mm-hmm. where it was like an on the bubble uh, nominee for a, lo- a lot of categories and then all of a sudden boom picture supporting actor supporting actress adapted screenplay and you're like wait what you know I, so
2: that's a great comparison that's really that that boy I think we 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 got a, their Oscar chances right there at least their Oscar hopes so, right, I think um I was so irritated by the score. I probably affected my uh, my vote. I would give it probably a seven out of ten,
0: yeah, I- I'm in the same uh, boat as you, there, Tom. A seven out of ten for me, although I will say I think it's a strong seven out of ten. Yeah, um you know, I, I have some questionable moments with Egerton's uh, directing in this, but that does not extend to the performances. I think the performances by everyone involved, including Joel Egerton is stellar like I said it's one of my favorite ensembles uh, this year for sure and I think the message is extremely important. I think that despite any flaws that it may have with the film at all I recommend everyone see this movie mm-hmm. period and also too like who who brought up earlier in the in the show Nicole it was you about how this is the kind of film that could change people's minds yeah on a topic. You know, because it does such a great job of presenting both sides of the argument, um, but doing a really, really excellent job of also explaining um, the faults with one side of the argument and how the other side is clearly, you know, the way it should be.
1: <laughs> I, I kind of feel like, you know, if Nicole Kidman's character had seen this movie, then the uh, what we saw may have gone differently.
0: <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Now the question is, if Russell Crowe's character has seen this movie, wow. with things of, yeah. <laughs> See now, and that, but that's that's the great thing about it, right? You, you have to ask yourself how many people will give this film a chance, yeah, and watch it, maybe because of the stars involved. Mm-hmm. Who knows? And walk away from it saying, you know what, that movie gave me something to think about. I mean, tch, geez. You know, what what higher achievement could you want than that? You know, Joel Eckerton.
1: <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> so I, I I'm sure he'll be happy more with that response than any Oscar potential the film has, but I'm gonna give it to it anyway. Picture, like I said, I, I, I'm not predicting it right now, but it's 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 there. It's it's like at the bottom for me. Actually, tell you, the chief, I don't even think I have it in my ten right now. I think I have it out of the ten at the moment. But if I do have it, it's it's near the bottom. Uh, Adapted Screenplay, same thing. I don't have it in the five, but it's hovering around there, six, seven spot. Right now, the only two nominations I have it getting are Kidman and The Song. I do think the song is used very, very well at the end of the film. I think that the tone of the song fits extremely well with the ending of the film and what the film is uh, trying to get us to have in terms of a a lasting impact. And as a result, I think the song is going to stick out for people and it's being used heavily within the marketing. Um, It's creator is a star within the film and he's promoting the movie and performing it uh, along the campaign trail so I mean there's a lot a lot of great factors there in order to get uh Troy uh Sivion I hope I'm saying his name right Sivan at mm-hmm. Troy Sivan I think I think that's how you say it it is uh, a nomination so uh I'll go so far as to say those two for now and I love crow in this so much I do I really do but man I, I don't see him cracking it. I, I I see this more as people opening their eyes back open to be like, "Oh, Russell Crowe, you can still deliver great performances. Fantastic, <laughs> do another one, and then we'll invite you back to the, uh, you know, the theater."
2: <laughs> he could be the new J.K. Simmons.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, that'd be that'd be really interesting.
2: Yeah.
0: righty. Uh, so, with that said, uh, Ashley, thank you so much for joining us for this review. Really, really had a great time having you on.
3: Thanks. I had a great time. Appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. Why don't you tell all of our dear listeners where they can find you on the internet?
3: Sure. You can find my written reviews at weliveentertainment.com. And I'm on Twitter at Ashley G. Menzel.
2: Excellent. Nicole?
1: I am on Twitter at Ackman 16
2: And Tom? And I'm on Twitter at, at Thomas E. O'Brien.
0: And you can find me at next best picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of Boy Erased here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, Castbox, and now newly on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. We really, really appreciate any comments you could leave, and you know, rating us five stars would also be very nice. And if you're feeling generous enough after that, head on over to our Patreon page where for $1 minimum a month, you can get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening. Once again, we shall see you all next time.